This is the Spirited Talk podcast. Conversations and much more about connecting with our friends and lost ones in the spirit world. And now, here's your host, Trevor. When I was at the Arthur Finlay College in 2015, on a week-long course with 50 other students, amongst them was my guest. But sometimes, while some of us were demonstrating our mediumship in front of the whole class, my guest was just sat amongst them, drawing. Who and why? Stay around and find out. For many years, I've been involved with the work of communicating with the spirit world. The Spirited Talk series of podcasts are part of my way of not just continuing to educate myself, but to share that knowledge and wisdom with you, the listener. My guests are specifically selected for the time-served experience in this incredible subject. By hearing their stories and their experiences, together we can expand our own knowledge and realise that we too can connect with the spirit within us. Before I introduce today's guest, take a moment to subscribe to this podcast on the platform you're listening to it on now. And you can find out more about these series on our website, spiritedtalkpodcast.com. Now, let me tell you a bit about today's guest. My guest today is a young lady I got to know from the Arthur Finlay College. She was on the same course as me, along with 50 other students. Not only did my guest prove to be a fine medium, but she also did several spirit-inspired paintings while she was there. She's both a medium and a spirit artist, and we'll find out more about that today. My guest is dedicated to her work with the spirit world and continued to gain further education and qualifications through the Spiritualist National Union education system. She now holds several CSNU qualifications and is about to complete her qualifications to become a tutor at the college. My guest is from Peterborough in the UK and originally trained as a hairdresser. She has a wealth of knowledge and I know she's going to share some incredible stories with us today. So without further delay, may I introduce my guest this week and my friend, ladies and gentlemen, it's Shelley Yule. Hello and good morning to you, Shelley. How are you? It's good to see you again. Hiya, Trevor. It's great to see you again. I'm very well, thank you. And how are you? Uh, I, I am looking good and all the better for looking at you this morning. My goodness, you have <laughs> glammed up for this. Do you know it's audio? What a shame. People are missing out on a real treat here. I am so lucky doing this job. Do you know the last time, in fact, I seen you was 2015 when we were at the college together on a, a Sandy Baker course, if I remember. Learning all it about was. Yeah, learning all oh, about it was, it was a fabulous week. I mean, I've been on many weeks since, but we had a wonderful week, didn't we? The bits I can remember, we learned a lot, we laughed a lot. And Sandy's weeks are always amazing. So, and her team, Colin and Bill and, you know, John Johnson and whoever else was there. I think Eamon Downing was there as well that week. It was yeah. fabulous. Yes, it was fantastic. And if I recall, we had to produce some kind of stage show at the end of the week, didn't we? Do you remember that? I don't remember all the details, but I know by the end of the week, we would do like a celebration of the week and we'd be given a task and each group with their tutors, we would um, give thanks and um, celebrate. But uh, we we had to do it in a very different way and uh, there was quite a crowd of us. And I just remember us being on the stage and everybody had their part to play and it was wonderful. And I remember doing a drawing that depicts Sandy Baker and uh, it was it was brilliant, yeah. I actually did a reading for her on stage. Not, um, I chose to do a reading for her. She took the reading. I, I'll sort of remember that. When you're at college and a, a teacher takes a reading, you think, oh God, it's got to be good. And it puts a pressure on you, doesn't it? You have to get it right. 
So tell us, Shell, whereabouts in this country of the UK are you based? I'm in East Anglia, near the city of Peterborough. I'm a little town just outside. It's a nice, quiet little town called Froland. I was thinking about the last time I was at Peterborough uh, last night, and I was thinking, I remember, I pulled into the Peterborough services just off the M1, and a guy tried to sell me a Rolex for about 50 quid. I remember that. I didn't have 50 quid, and he wouldn't take 30. Uh, I would have loved a Rolex, but there you go. And Shelley and me are connected via a Zoom window at the moment, and one of Shelley's art pieces is actually hanging on the wall behind me. That's been there ever since I've done this sanctuary, and it's one of my treasures. And I love the work that she does, and I just had to acquire this piece. And we'll learn a lot more about that as we go through this interview today. Now, I understand that you're also a very close friend of Mrs. Lynn Cottrell. Yeah, she's a she's a fabulous, fabulous person. And we've, it's interesting because through the journey, I, um, without going to, because I know we're going to go into that more later, but uh, we always knew of each other and got on but we come very much close this year mm -hmm. so um and obviously we're both fellow artists so we have so much in common yeah she's a wonderful friend and a wonderful support yeah and in case anybody's interested lynn's episodes 14 and 15 recently broadcast on spirited talk and wow what an interview it was brilliant and people obviously well appreciated that so there's no pressure on you shelly i know you can perform here now, I know that we're going to find out a lot more about your connection with her and uh, your work a little bit later on in the interview. So we need some bullet points from you, uh, Shelley, to get this interview off to a start. So think of me as your uh, future employee. I need to know your name, your age. Am I allowed to ask for the age? Yeah, I think so. If you've seen the pictures, you'd know why I'm asking. Your name, your age, where you live, what children you have, and what title you call yourself when you're working with a spirit. It's over to you. Okay. Well, my name's Shelley Yule, and I'm going to be 50 at the end of this year. I have a wonderful, wonderful daughter who also is going to be 26 very soon. And I've got a, a brother uh, that I love dearly. And I've got stepbrothers and sisters also. So, And my title as a medium, I'm a spiritualist medium and spirit artist. Okay. And that accent, you are actually born and bred and lived in Peterborough all your life, that area? Around the area. Not actually born. Well, I was born in the, in the city, but um, I was more, I've been more in the countryside, really. So my growing up, I had a lovely Farmer Giles Fenn accent. So, yeah. you know. Well, I made that clear because there'll be a lot of people saying, ah, she sounds like she's from Essex or something like that. Well, you're not, because I got towed off for that yesterday when I said, whereabouts in Essex are you from? And you said, I'm not from Essex, I'm from Peterborough, and put me in my place. So, shout, tell us, you got, you got the mic now for 10 minutes. Tell us about your growing up years. Who were your parents? What did they do? Where did you live? Have you any brothers and sisters? Nothing about spirit at this point. Just just describe your childhood. Okay, I had, I suppose what a lot of people would say, I was blessed with a, a normal, normal childhood. Um, and my brother and I, as you do siblings, we get on really well, uh, but we had times when we didn't. But we had great, great parents. Neither were spiritualists. And it was a normal upbringing. I was very blessed. Um, my dad taught us uh, very much to respect nature and animals. And we had all sorts of stories. You know, I'd get up on a morning and uh, we'd have a moorhen in the whole way that my dad's rescued. Or, you know, we had a fox one time that he rescued and 
We ended up looking after that for about five years. It was a fox cub and um, it got uh, my dad run it over, not intentionally, of course, but it um, was in the road late at night and he tried to miss it, but he clipped it. So it had a concussion and we nursed it, nursed it back to health. We used to bottle feed it as kiddies and... Um, we rang the RSPCA to to come and sort of, because obviously it's a wild animal, so that's where it should be. They wouldn't. They said they'd come and put it down, and my dad said no. And while this animal has a right to live, it will stay with us. So we had him for five years till he got ill. We made a den in the garden for him, and we called him a really unusual name called Foxy. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but we had great times like I said, I mean, my mum was great too. I think she was more the master of the house in that sense. But, you know, we had much fun with nature. Like I said, my dad found that there was a swan that had got a broken wing. So we rallied together and oh, I'd say my brother and I would probably be eight to ten, brother's a couple of years younger. And we rallied this swan together and captured it and, and carefully, of course, and took it to a wildlife sanctuary to be looked after. And, you know, and then obviously its wing got repaired and was set back out in the wild. So we had many wonderful experiences. My dad was an electrician and um, worked very hard. And so did my mum. She she was very good at baking, actually, and ended up um, when she went back to work when we was old enough to be a, in a bakery. So she used to decorate wedding cakes and do all sorts of things like that. So really, we had quite a, a normal upbringing, but a very blessed in many ways, you know. Mm. Uh, like I said, many wonderful memories. I'm looking at you and I'm using all of my psychic powers, which isn't many, and I'm saying that you were definitely a daddy's girl, weren't you? I certainly was, yes. yes. And I've got a question here I've got to ask you. People ask it. People want to know this. What star sign are you? <laughs> I'm Sagittarius. Saggy. That means nothing to me. There'll be people going, oh, she's a Sagittarius. We can expect this, that, and the other. Oh, I haven't got a clue. I'm Cancer, and uh, that, that's all I know. So, which of your parents did you inherit your arty side? So, we, it's interesting you ask that because apart from when I look now, mum, mum, you know, she did some wonderful cake decorations. Um, but she wouldn't have classed herself as artistic, and my dad wouldn't either. Neither of them would class them. They didn't draw or do anything like that. But my uncle, my dad's brother, was very artistic. So I feel that through the bloodline, it, it's come from my dad's side. OK. And, and I asked you this yesterday. You did explain, but I, there will be people curious. Um, your surname, uh, it, it's an unusual name. What do you know about it? Uh, with Yule, it's my married name even though I'm actually now divorced, I've been for many years. But the reason I kept that was for my daughter, really. So I didn't want a different surname to my daughter. And as far as I'm aware, I'm not up on it all, but it, I think it originates from Scotland. Yeah, so. that, that, that was a surprise when you told me that. I've, I've never heard it. It's, it's a good name. Nothing wrong with that. It's better than my name. We all say that, don't we, about our surnames? Well, I wish I was called that, not Brown. Um, so, Shelley, going back to your school days, did your parents encourage an edu education for you? And describe what you were like at school. If we go right back, yes, they always encouraged me. My mum probably was the driving force of that. And sometimes when I look back, I used to think she was quite, and I don't know whether hard's the right word, but quite a taskmaster. But that was only because she wanted me to do well. 
And I always wanted to do well, to be fair. I was quite a conscientious child and wanted to be liked, I suppose, and wanted to do well. And that's not because I was an angel, you know, it's just how it was. And that's in early days. And then as I look through my life, what I remember, I wasn't a completely extrovert or introvert, but I just kind of fitted in. That's all. I just didn't know where I fitted in. So I just kind of tried to fit in and be liked. And then I remember different experiences like um, where I was in a particular year group and this teacher was quite the bully. From what I remember, that really took the spark away from me. And then I just wanted to hide in the crowd a lot for a while there. And then as we moved through to, to teens, again, you feel this peer pressure to fit in and and it was, I know this sounds a bit harsh, but it was the fight of the fittest, you know. If you was to be seen to be shy or quiet, they would see a weakness and the fear of being bullied. So I had, I tried to, I suppose, not pretend to be somebody else, but, but it, to be a lot more confident and stronger than what I really was to, to try and get through those years. Uh, you know, and teenagers, we rebel. I did a bit of that, but not nothing, anything too serious or... If my mum said black, I'd say white, you know, just normal things. You know, you've got to be in at half past seven. I'd strut in at eight o'clock gold. The chain on my bike broke, silly things like that. So, yeah. And did you go on to college or uni? Yes, I went to, I did, um, actually, I did a, an apprenticeship where I did a day release, they called it then. So I used to go to college one day a week, but I also got trained at work as well in the salon more than just a hairdresser aren't you there's a little bit more to it than that tell us what you've uh, trained as i obviously trained as a qualified hairdresser i loved it i'm not saying i don't now but at the time it was a passion i enjoyed being with people help it's amazing now you know just doing somebody's hair it lifts their spirits mind you at the minute we all know that don't we people have been crying out to get their hair done and and enjoying that interaction, social interaction. It was hard work when those early days of apprenticeship because you worked very, very long hours. There was a lot of study involved. The salon, I was very fortunate that they were very keen on education. So I got obviously trained in salon training and as well within college. And of course, they had a level of standard, which would suit me because I always wanted to be an achiever. So I'm going to do anything, I wanted to do it well. Yeah, and they really did set me on a good foot in there. And then I I moved to a different salon and become assistant manager and helped run it. And still the, the education never stops with any career, really, and always in salon training. Again, fortunate to have a good, good background there with the hairdressing. And then when I became self-employed, which was when I had my daughter, basically, uh, it was easier. I then took study courses to be able to be a makeup consultant. Uh, I could do a bit of beauty, waxing. You know, I wanted to be an all-rounder, really, so I could offer many aspects in the beauty industry. I know roughly what uh, price you pay because my middle child, my daughter, Kaylee, who lives down in Portland in Dorset, is a hairdresser. And uh, I'm so glad she's got that career behind her. It's fantastic. And uh, she does an amazing job. But isn't it interesting how the need for a hairdresser or a barber has suddenly become so important? As you know, you've seen the pictures on Facebook. Last week I went to the hairdresser and I came out there buzzing. I had new adrenaline in me. I only had a haircut, but wow. So you've already, you guys have already proven how important your role is. Most definitely, yeah, because, you know, but it's the social interaction for people as well. 
and often it's said that you know hairdressers are agony aunts and um I don't think it's particularly that, but you you build up a relationship with people and they confide in you often as well. So, and you do build up a good friendship and it's your crown of glory. So did you have any other little part-time jobs? What was the first job you had that actually put some money in your pocket? I was 14 and I went and worked in a news agents after school two or three times a week. Sometimes I'd work on a Saturday or a Sunday, actually, depending on the shift. I worked hard from quite an early age. Yeah, because the, the man that owns the shop has actually contacted me and said, when are you going to pay for all the sherbet fountains that went missing? <laughs> no, I certainly didn't do any of that. But no, I really enjoyed it, actually. And, you know, it's the first time feeling grown up at 14 that you're earning money. And then I moved on to doing some extra work. I used to go and pack fruit and veg. I'd do anything like that, you know, just worked hard. My parents brought me up with a good work ethic. Hmm. So In your teens, those those dangerous years, were you the sort of uh, young lady that we would find down the clubs and the pubs at night? In the local pub, we could go in. They knew we was underage and we didn't get silly as long as we behaved ourselves. I mean, now they're a lot stricter. And that was local, so we used to walk up. My, actually, my mum and dad knew about that. So as long as I was sensible and didn't do anything silly, and I didn't have that much money to go and get drunk or, or daft. But there was a lot of experiences. And if there was a house party in the town, obviously you had to go. And I learned valuable lessons from that what not to do and to never have a house party because I've seen some very um, where houses have kind of got obliterated through these experiences. Mm-hmm. But and I'd say I started when I was probably 15, 16. A couple of times I went into the city nightclubbing, but it wasn't actually something that I always wanted to do. I didn't mind it. It was a laugh, but you have to be so careful and sensible. And I suppose there's always been this sensible Shelley there, mm. even though I've done some daft things like everybody in life. I wasn't out extrovert in that respect, but I'd go. Well, let's put your uh, time in the nightclubs on a timeline so as people can understand it. What was your favourite record that was in the charts around about that time? I've got an idea in my head. I almost want to write this down in case you say it. Well, I think uh, I'm going to write oh, it down. My. There's there's quite a few. I like varied music, actually, but I was mad on Wham, believe it or not, and Cindy Lauper. Okay. I like her and uh, Madonna. Yeah, keep going. And um, there's, like I said, I, the list goes on, really. Yeah, keep going. So, <laughs> I just like them all. Because obviously my, my teens was in the 80s, so, you know, it was all that, what some of them today would say, really cheesy music, but I, I love it. Yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah. Sorry. Well, you didn't put, you didn't say what I thought. I looked at you and I thought, I don't know why, but I think you're a B52 Love Shack girl. Do you remember that one? Oh, I like that too. Yeah. I like that one too. No, yeah, too late now. No, too late now. You had your chance, but you didn't say it. So there we go. <laughs> Tell us about your relationship with the spirit world. Now, where did it all begin? Wow. If we go back, I've been aware, really, of the spirit world from since I can remember. In all honesty, I didn't know it was particularly the spirit world. I didn't know I was a medium. I didn't know any knowledge of it at all. And like I said, my family, you know, they weren't spiritualist. It wasn't it wasn't believed or disbelieved, really. You know, we often have imaginary friends. Well, mine were spirit people. I can remember hours in my bedroom chatting away to people and, and doing playing. But I weren't just my imagination. I was actually 
playing with other children. You know, I'd had experiences where I'd seen spirit in my bedroom really clearly. That didn't happen all the time, but, you know, I was always aware. And then as we went on, yeah, I just knew. I just knew that there was something else. There was another place and another realm. But I didn't know it was called the spirit world. I didn't know what to title it, but the word ghost didn't sit with me either. But as I move forward and um, and I've had lots of experiences to prove that the spirit world have been there and supported me throughout my life. And I must admit, sometimes in teens, I didn't listen. And then you soon learn <laughs> the hard way. So, yeah, so it's, it's, it's always been there. But actually, regards of accepting that I'm a medium, that took a long, long time mm-hmm. for me to get to that. Was, was there ever a time in your early years that you looked at your friends and your peers and people around you and thought, I think I'm a bit different? Yeah, on many occasions, like I said earlier, you know, I just tried to fit in, just be like, a, not be copy or anything, because I was still me, but just trying to fit in. And I never understood, you know, I didn't understand any of it, of course, as you don't. And I just, yeah, there was times that, I don't know, it was just, you looked and it was different. It's like I'd walk in a place of like a church or a sacred place and it would move me emotionally. And I didn't understand and I wouldn't talk to anybody about it because they'll think I'm silly, you know, especially when you're teens, you know, to, to feel like that in, in a place of worship. Because obviously it's not cool, is it? But for me, there was this sacredness and about God. But I never again understood. I just had this, it was like now I know it moved me to my very soul, you know, and and this connection. But at the time, I just didn't understand. So there's a lot of things I didn't share with a lot of people because I didn't, I knew it would be laughed at. So, and obviously that wasn't the done thing. And I would assume that's the same with your parents. You didn't tell them you can see people or... No, I didn't, no. I used to come out with things sometimes and I can remember my mum frowning and just like not ignoring me, but not encouraging it, not understanding really. It wasn't a bad thing, but just, I'd just come out with things and yeah, and that's saying they'd just look a bit puzzled and that would be it. But obviously now I understand <laughs> why. But yeah, I did at one point, or more than one through my grown up, would ask my mum and dad. Do they believe in an afterlife? Or I can't remember the exact words, but I don't know as I use the word spirit, but um, that we live after death. And so there was quite some questions and they didn't have an answer, you see. They'd answer me the best they could and say, well, I'm not saying there isn't another life. You know, both of them said that. They never ruled it out. There wasn't atheist or disagreed. They just didn't have the knowledge to answer that properly for me. Because my experience is that if people understand the spirit, if they understand the processes and all that, you'll get their support. (laughs) If they don't understand it, they tend to take the default view as, well, it's all nonsense. That Instead of saying, I don't understand it, but I'll stay open-minded, they'll say, that's all nonsense. No such thing. When you're dead, you're dead, you know, so... I do understand that. You were married at a fairly young age. Yes, I met met my husband when I was 17, and he was my world, as you are, you know, young and in love. And we we married when I was, well, it was 92, so I was nearly 22. We got married, but we'd been together nearly five years then anyway, was living together. And, of course, I had my daughter two years later and then two years after that we got divorced Mm. (laughs) putting that in short so there was a a bit of a a dramatic story in the middle of all of that now it's not i've not asked you but would you be prepared to share that story i was in a 
place, a time in my life where I couldn't see a way out. I couldn't see a place of happiness. I just was so, I suppose when I look now, it's almost like a depression. Uh, I felt suppressed and depressed and I just, I was in, yeah, in despair really. And I remember that I just couldn't see a way out. So, and I just had this moment of, I want to say madness is the wrong word, but I just despair really. I just thought I can't do this anymore. I can't, I have no strength anymore. So I remember driving late back from been doing some hairdressing and I just put the foot down on parkways, they're called dual carriageway around Peterborough, put my foot down as fast as I could go and I took my hands off the steering wheel. And um, I just thought, this is it. You know, if there's another life, I'll be there. You know, I just couldn't um, see a way forward. It was it was a horrible time. I didn't talk about this for many years because obviously it's one of those moments that you're not really quite proud of. And then all of a sudden I was made aware that there was in my, my mirror, I looked and I could see my granddad who's in spirit. He passed when I was 18 and he he sat in the back of my car clear as day like he was like I could see you and I just heard in my mind put your hands back on the steering wheel and I didn't and it felt like forever but this is probably only seconds put your hands back on the steering wheel and then I see images of my daughter and then I help see we'll take a short break this is the spirited talk podcast conversations and much more about connecting with our friends and lost ones in the spirit world. I am pleased that I'm able to produce these presentations free to you at this time. However, they are not free to make and incur ongoing costs in equipment and technical production. Help me to keep this valuable service free for the majority by becoming one of the Spirited Talk partners. Your regular donation will be rewarded with access to additional content. But more importantly, you'll know you are helping to keep Spirited Talk growing. For more information, visit our website support page at spiritedtalkpodcast.com. Hello, my name's Neil Bradley and I'm a spiritual medium. If there's one thing that Spirit Talk Podcast has the ability to do is to shine a light across the globe. And welcome back. Shelley, do you fancy carrying on with that story? Yes, um, and at that point, going back to that moment of not thinking clearly, and like I said, my granddad asked me to put my hand back on the steering wheel. He didn't ask, he demanded, actually. And then then he showed me images of my daughter, and immediately I put my hands back on the steering wheel, and it's almost like this light bulb moment, like, what earth was I thinking? Because, of course, I adore her, so I'd never leave her. The whole experience, it was just... That moment of despair that I didn't think straight and then obviously after that he he brought me back to reality that I've got a lot to be here for and especially my daughter so I'm forever grateful for my granddad for doing that. Hmm. That's very moving. The regular listener will know that at this point we normally have the basket challenge well I've dumped that I tell you what I've dumped it because I've got a new voiceover man that's come in the studio uh, well, he's not in here now, but he's he's helping me out with some of the voiceovers. And we're going to introduce him. So our Shelley here is going to be the first to hear Arthur's voice. So this is the new feature, Shelley. 
and you're the first one to take it on. I've got nine buttons that have all got a question programmed behind them. And you have to pick a number between one and nine and I will press the button and you will be asked a question by Arthur. But before we do this, these questions are not spiritual. So you've got to be prepared to answer honestly. Are you prepared for the challenge? I think so. Is it? Uh-oh. <laughs> Here we go. So a number between one and nine. Seven. Number seven. I'm putting my hands forward. Number seven. Here we go. Arthur. Here is your chosen question. Question seven. What element of yourself do you least like? Well, that is a question. I don't know as I could say there is a real dislike in my life now because my life's changed so much with being a spiritualist medium. I try and see the reasons and the joy in as much as I can, to be fair. So that I can't say there's a part of my life I dislike. No, I can't. In all honesty, even if we have days that we dislike or we have challenges, they're there to to learn from. So we have a different understanding now. So um, I'm sure if you'd asked me many years ago, I could have rolled off quite a lot, but I can't now because I try to look at these challenges or difficult situations in a much more positive perspective. And also, if you're really, really not happy with something, then you change it. We have the power and the choice to do that. I wanted to ask you earlier on, did your parents get to see you uh, work with the spirits when you, you know, became more uh, proficient with it? But I'm aware that you lost your mum at an early age. I did, yeah. She was 56. Yeah, that was a very much a shock. Yeah, she became ill um, all of a sudden. She had a liver condition. Obviously, went in hospital. She was in hospital six weeks and she seemed to get worse instead of better. There was always talks of her coming out. And then there was talks of moving her to a different hospital and it didn't happen. And then this one time, it was three days actually before she passed. And one thing, my, my stepmom rang to see how I was, how, how my mum was. And I just broke down and I said, my mum's not going to get through this. But the doctors never said anything. It was never diagnosed that she was going to pass. And, you know, everybody looked at me, gone out, I said, she's not going to get through this. And I'd already, that I think that morning, been sh- a vision of me standing at my mum's empty graveside, the whole dug ready. And I didn't want to believe it, of course. And I thought, this is madness. I just thought she's just not going to get through this. And of course she didn't. Then that three days, let's say later, she took a turn, rushed to the hospital. I'd already been there that day, but it was sort of late into the evening. And fortunately, as a family, was all with her as she passed. But that was very much a shock. And how old were you? 37, I think it was. So, yes, it was a big shock. And she was very close to my daughter as well. So, you know, so was, my daughter was 14 at the time. So it was a massive shock for us all, really. Mm. But my mum knew I was into or curious about mediumship and spiritualism before she passed because we'd talk about it. And I'd done the odd workshop, you know, I dabbled in here and there. It was like this call-in and I kept... So she knew a bit, but not to the point that she knows now from the spirit world, because obviously things have progressed quite catalytically after she passed, actually. It's a big change. And how did your dad cope? My dad, he passed two years ago with cancer, so that was rotten. He was very very funny because he was very proud of me, but he couldn't say it and he didn't understand what I did. He didn't disbelieve in what I did, but he didn't understand it. And if I would be painting at home and he turned up, he would gingerly walk into the lounge as if 
I don't know whether he thought spirit people would be standing there with me, but he actually, there was a bit of sense of fear with him initially. And, you know, he used to just make me laugh. And he'd talk about it and then he'd go off. He just didn't understand. So he wanted to, but he couldn't kind of get his head around it. But he did bless him. He did come and see me demonstrate once, which I'm so glad he did. And he came to the wonderful Arthur Finley College on Open Week with me. So I feel that these little experiences my dad had helped him in the understanding for when it came that time, even though he didn't, he didn't want to go, he wasn't ready. But, uh, mm. you know, I know, and, you know, nothing's a coincidence. And you could see how, when I look at the pattern, how I got my dad to open his awareness up. And now your relationship, although you say dabbling and you've used those lovely um, off-putting um, type phrases for it, but I see your relationship with spirit has been... Pretty clear, wouldn't you say? Yes. Once I started to truly take the steps of understanding, then so much in my life has made so much sense. You know, how they've always, as they do, always walk alongside us, our spirit team, supporting us, and they've helped me and rescued me, in a sense, from some very not good situations uh, on more than one occasion. There was like a hole missing in my life when I look back something it was always a searching there's something more to everything something more to do with me and I don't mean that in an egotistic there's just this hole missing and when it started to come together when I and when they finally did kind of get me to understand that okay that I'm a medium it's not just that I'm aware of the spirit world and that then that was it it made me feel more whole I suppose and and like I said life makes so much more sense you know, without going too philosophical or deep on that, but it really did. And an understanding of your life experiences and how we're here to learn and grow. There's just being a medium is just the surface in a way, because that's why I call myself a spiritualist medium, because the view of a spiritualist, it's a way of life. And it does, it changes your perspective and understanding of all things. And it's phenomenal. It really is. And would you say your clairvoyance, clear seeing, is your strongest um, strength when working not with spirit? Okay. Not at all. No, not at all. Don't get me wrong. There's been times where I've seen spirit objectively, very clear, in the early steps of when I started to embrace my unfoldment. And, you know, there's... Can I tell a story to this? Yeah, well? absolutely. But but just before you do that, just for the listeners that are new to this, you use the word objectively. Now, the two words, objectively and subjectively. Would you just explain what you meant when you said, I see things objectively? Of course, of course, yes, because obviously, like you say, not everybody understands. It's still what we call mental mediumship, so it's very much unique to my experience. And when we often work clairvoyantly, it could be what we call subjective, which is within the mind within the clear clear buoyance of the mind, when we say objectively, I could see spirit like I can see you now. So that's objectively not in my mind's eye, that would be externally. But the, the experience is still subject to me personally. It's not like everyone in the room could see the same as me, if that's made that a bit clearer. Yeah, no, absolutely. And thank you for explaining. Even after 20 years, I still struggle with those myself. Back to your story. But yeah, so when we go back, and this was partly when there was trying to, I suppose, a bit like knock 
knocking on the door trying to get my attention because, again, at this stage, didn't even believe I was a medium, but I knew there was like I was investigating and looking into it and reading lots about it. But I remember sitting in in well, it's the shopping centre in the city, which is called Queensgate, and they've got a cafeteria that's the highest point, if you like, you, and it, you can see below all the shops and all the centre. And I was sitting there waiting for a friend, and I remember looking out, and right down the end was John Lewis. It's the biggest store in the centre. And I've become so aware of this man, this gentleman, from all that distance, just staring at me. I thought, surely not, he's not staring at me. But I knew there was something different about him, and I can remember... The stirrings in my tummy like, oh, what's going on here? Then he walked round and he didn't take his eyes off me and he walked slowly just staring at me. And I just was like, this is really bizarre. And nobody, when I thought about it after, nobody even acknowledged his presence. Nobody walked around him. It was just like, it was for my viewing only. And it was, and he walked right up and he came so close that I was looking down and he was looking up at me and he was so transfixed. And then I actually got up because then he went under to where I couldn't see him. So I got up and went actually polite, calmly to the other side of the windows to see him come out and he never came out. And, and I know now that that was, I just thought, what a strange experience. Um, and that was in, like I say, in the shopping centre. And I realised that that was a spirit person. So I had experience so clear like that early days, more than one occasion, but that one sticks to mind to tell you. But then it went more subjective as I started to work. And and any medium knows how uh, mediumship unfolds and develops. And each um, extrasensory perception, whether it's the seeing, hearing, sensing, knowing, they ebb and flow. And it's like one becomes stronger and it's like strengthening that muscle and then all of a sudden you just get in your comfort zone and then it changes. So it's like a fluidity to in your mediumship. And for me personally now, I like to feel that I'm open to all aspects of it, all the senses, because then that way we're not limiting the spirit world and they will utilise those senses in the way that's needed. So in one, one communication could be very different, you know, it could be very clairvoyant. And another could be more on a sensing and emotion. And, and a hearing, hearing's quite prominent sometimes for me. So I, I would say um, it varies, but an all-rounder. And, and there are some people that will say that clairvoyance, as it stands, clear seeing is one of the rarer talents of um, being a medium this, these days. Let's um, spend a few minutes and establish where the spirit art came into your life. Share with us how it came about. Were you doing paintings before? Were you always aware of spirit during painting, etc.? When I go back, if we go back before I took the steps to unfold my mediumship, when I was a teenager, it was encouraged at school for me to do art. I mean, it was one of the subjects anyway. And under a controlled environment, yes, if they give me a picture to copy, I'd do that. We played with different materials. But I never come away from it going, oh, I'm an artist. And, and I left it behind, to be fair. I mean, obviously, hairdressing can be creative. And I would say I'm creative, but I never call myself an artist. And if I put my mind to something, yeah, maybe I could draw something. But I wouldn't, you know, I never painted. I might dabble with a bit of watercolour when I was at school, but never acrylics and what I do now. And it kind of, 
I knew that the art was coming back in and I didn't understand it. And I kept picking up a pencil and, you know, doodling and drawing. And, and I did draw one of my, my spirit guides, actually, and that works very close with me and amongst the others. But I thought, I don't know, this don't sit right with me. And, and then I'd had a virtual assessment, a reading at the college with Angie Morris, and she said about doing art and mediumship and bringing the two together. And I remember saying, well, I understand that, but I don't quite understand how. And um, But anyway, so that went by the by, and I was sort of looking into my mediumship. And then, then this particular time, I had a, a conversation with a family member on the phone, and um, it was a bit frustrating, as it can be sometimes. We didn't agree on certain things. And I got off the phone really quite, I wouldn't say angry, but a bit frustrated and pent up. So... And my daughter was at her dad's and, and I thought, oh, I need to release these emotions. So I thought, ah, my daughter's got acrylic paint and, and some a canvas board. So and I found a brush and I dug it all out and I just sat and just painted. Had no particular image in my, in my mind or, you know, I just wanted to be free and just painted. And I did what I call to this day the emotional flame because it really actually made me think afterwards wow I feel so much better and of course when it's known that there's art therapy and how we can release our frustrations our emotions pentacle emotions put them out onto paper sometimes we can't do it with words and it's hard to express but it's a way of expression that was the pivotal point for me that there was I get it now to a degree at that point ah so then I started encourage you know investing in some more paints and canvases and kept doing all this painting and then I kept hearing put the brush down because I kept getting frustrated don't get me wrong there was quite some abstract and unusual paintings that was coming out but I didn't want to be conventional with it I knew that wasn't what I had to do so in the end after many times hearing this put the paintbrush brown down because I'm thinking, how on earth can I paint without a paintbrush? You know, I was just being very logical. So in the end, I slammed the paintbrush down and went, now what do I do? And then I painted with my fingers. And I thought, this is this is madness. But I loved it. The sense of freedom and liberation, because it put down, removed all those restrictions of how you should paint and how this should look. So I explored that for some time. And and I actually then realised, uh, I don't know, don't remember a particular point that it started to change, but I would sit, before I painted, I would sit in what we call the power, uh, the power of spirit, and they attune myself and set that intention, okay, you want me to paint and we're going to work together. And then that's when it started to happen. And then I'd get messages and realised that there was more to it and that this wasn't just me that I was being guided with the artwork. And I know we're going into this more into the, uh, the podcast, but, you know, it was phenomenal and it's just changed and evolved since then. Yeah, I've had some wonderful experiences working with the spirit world and my art. Well, yes, as Shelley uh, mentioned there, she is staying on today in the studio, virtual studio, and she's going to record for us a podcast special on the subject of, well, actually, mediumship and her art. So 
look out for that in the podcast series. So that's brilliant. Briefly, how are you connected when you paint? What do you, how, how does that process work? Like I said, I, I sometimes sit, set my intention and focus to work with the spirit world for 10 minutes, five minutes, could be a minute. And then I just start to work. So it's it's really, it's active mental mediumship. And like all mediumship, there's degrees of an altered state uh, you move into. Sometimes that state can be almost a trance, really, that I'm actually not aware of what I'm actually doing. And I know that sounds mad because my eyes are open, but I, this is when I'm doing the foundation often of the artwork because I'm, I usually start with my hands and, and, and then it starts to transform. I don't clairvoyantly see what I'm going to be doing. I don't know what, and it, it actually opens up and unfolds as I'm doing the artwork. It, I may get colours before that I've got to work with, but if I allow my mind to get too involved it don't work and it's a disaster if i tried to copy something it's it won't work if i go oh i'll do that it never would end up the same because spirit will move me and inspire me to what needs to be done like so when you're truly in that that power and presence of the spirit you get so i sometimes get so much information as i'm working sometimes i don't and until afterwards and it, it, oh, there's so many experiences of it, but it, and I often ask for clarification for me as well within it because I think it's good that we we keep it on our toes, that don't get complacent. That if they give me clarification of something I don't know, then I have to research it and I go, wow. So that gives me confirmation that I know that it's truly inspired from the spirit world, and it's not me that's in the mix of it. If that makes mm, sense, absolutely. Would you uh, describe your mental mediumship as entirely separate from your art, or do you think they're all part of the same connection? All, all part, all part of the same thing, most definitely. It's all combined together. And speaking to you beforehand, knowing you from the college and knowing your passion now, this, the, the spirit art is your life, isn't it? And spirit work. Oh yes, definitely. I still do a bit of hairdressing, but I've known people for many years and very fond of them. So I still do a bit of hairdressing, but I've had to put that back, obviously, to to be able to truly devote my time for my spiritual pathway and work. Yes, so I love my spirit art, which evolves and changes all the time. And I love demonstrating, doing private sittings. And like I said, I like to combine the two or I do the two, not separate, but I'm happy to do the mediumship without the art as much as with. I just love, like I said, the pure intelligence and the, the wisdom of the spirit is just phenomenal mm. and it's yeah. so diverse. But it's not just limited there. You've taken your understanding much further through the spirit, uh, the Spiritualist National Union education programmes you've qualified. Do you want to talk to us about some of those qualifications? Yeah, of course. Of course it. I will, yeah. I'm happy to. I mean, I, I think two years I'd been visiting the college courses and I just felt very drawn to become a member. And again, I didn't really fully understand there. And as you become a member, then you start the the courses, you know, like the introduction to spiritualism. And I started doing these essay courses for interest, really. Again, because I'm I'm a bit of a perfectionist, which can be the detriment sometimes. Because I'm always striving to, if I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it well. And that's always the way I am. And I like the idea that there's qualifications and recognition, which made to me more sense. Because if again, because I'm going to do it, I want to do it well. 
and not be blasé about it. And it's taught me a lot, actually, through these courses. I must confess, essay work is not my thing, but I've learned a lot on the process. So I took the steps to doing the early courses. The home, like, so home Study SD1 was one of them, which is to do with spiritualism. And then I did, because uh, I started demonstrating at churches, and, and then I started doing the platform accreditation scheme without going too in-depth. And then I took the assessment for that and passed that. And and it just seemed to, if somebody had told me some years before I'd be doing all that, I'd be like, oh, no, no, I'm getting, up, getting too old to do studies. But it's just led from one thing to another. And then and then I kind of ended up then going for my, what we call the CSNU, which is a certificate holder of the Spiritual National Union. And I thought, oh, I'll just do it and demonstrate. Well, I ended up doing it in speaking as well. <laughs> And again, you have to do the corresponding home study courses with this as well, which makes a lot of sense. And you see, it was a sense of a level of standard that I kind of always wanting to achieve. And that's what started me on the footings of this. And I think it's very good, even though sometimes I've been kicking and screaming and been quite stressed out, but it's done me the world of good. It's helped give me my confidence and understanding, you know, as I go along. We need to understand what we're doing, the process, why we're doing it, what is spiritualism, you know, and the impact we have on life and our own life and the and the principles and so on and so forth. But you're asking about the podcast, so stay on subject. So I've done now CSNU with speaking, demonstrating. Then someone said to me once about being at the college, I went, no, 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 no. Because I always thought, no, no way. I'm not good enough. I don't have the knowledge these fabulous tutors have uh, to take those steps. And so procrastinating, a bit kicking and screaming, no, 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 no. And then before I knew it, I was on the teacher scheme. So done that for two years. And yes, of course, there was its difficulties, but we're not learning if we don't, we don't feel challenged. So I learned a hell of a lot from that. And then we, of course, obviously had to do our assessment for that and was blessed enough to pass so now I've got that certificate in in teaching as well so and now I'm again doing home study to become a diploma level in my demonstrating five years ago I'd go I'll just get the CSNU that's all I wanted because I wanted a level of standard and now I'm trying to achieve the DSNU I've also then took the steps of the access week for the teaching for the tutor scheme at the college and I'm now done week one of my assistant tutor week which I was extremely blessed to have Lynn because it was an art week as well which how fortunate is that but I'd have been blessed whoever but obviously the lockdown has put things on hold there so I will be taking on my next two weeks of assisted tutor weeks and I think we still have to be invited as a, a medium, a tutor. But there's more things, as studies to do yet before I will actually take those steps into being a tutor. I will ask you a lot more questions about the education side of it in the podcast that's coming up because we're going to talk about the your education or the education in the SNU. We're going to talk about your spirit art and uh, we're going to talk about your mediumship all in the podcast that follows this. I mean, there are people, Shell, that are listening to this months in advance, uh, months ahead. And by that time, you could well be that teacher at a college that they're booking to see. Yes, yes, I could well be. Yeah, hopefully. 
I've worked very hard to get where I am now, but yes, I never take anything for granted and there's plenty of study and more work to be done yet. So, yes. I think it must be quite an interesting dynamic. I can imagine, yeah, maybe me a teacher, not a chance, but I can imagine if I qualified as a teacher and I went to the college and Sandy's there and we're together, it's like, whoa, you're no longer up there. How does that work? How does that dynamic work? I don't know, really. Um, I mean, I I look up to all the tutors that have inspired me and, and helped me along my journey. So, yeah, it's it will be different, but that's all I can say, really. Yeah, well, I think it's brilliant news, and I'm so proud of knowing you and knowing what you've gone on to achieve. Shelley, do you believe that because of your strong trust in the spirit team looking after you, you are somewhat safer in your real life? Yeah, that's a tough one. Yes, I, I feel that, that they're always there helping and supporting and guiding us. However, there's certain life experiences that we need to experience so we can't be saved from everything because where our soul growth will never happen there'll be never a progression they can't interfere in our life because that's down to us we have full responsibility and choice of how we act and behave and and deal with situations i do feel that it's times like i said i have been helped and protected so i can't take discredit that as well but you have to be realistic like, for example, with this with this COVID situation, you know, we're not superheroes that are um, invincible against illness and this wretched mm-hmm. virus. None of us are invincible. We have to remember to be sensible. And there's times that we need the medical profession. So, you know, I do believe to a degree they will help and guide us. Mm. They're not going to change our life mm. or, or that's down to us yeah i i, I mean yeah. i it, it was slightly an unfair question that's like saying you you mean you can uh, hit off bullets that are thrown at you of course not but there's this confidence of knowing that there is something looking after you that there is something that's with you and aware of it it's almost like you have this invisible companion or companions with you during life that was kind of what I was uh, hinting at. Now, if you want to speak to Shelley or talk to uh, Shelley, ask her any questions, you can, of course, uh, contact her. Uh, we've got a community page on Facebook, the Spirited Talk podcast community, which is growing by the number. In fact, as this interview is going on, I can see three people in the list that are trying to join it right now. So Shelley's part of that group. So if you've got any questions, you want to have a little chat with her, come along, have fun with her. And, um, you know, ask those questions that, you know, a proper interviewer should ask. Now, before we leave today, would you leave our viewers with a message or something of hope or inspiration? Yes. One is trust in the spirit world, trust in you. The one thing that I do encourage is that to be your unique self, everybody's individual and unique within their ability. If we was all cloned and the same, it would be very boring. Everybody has their gift, you know, a gift to the spirit, to this world. And that unique connection to spirit is vital to build up such a relationship with not only with the spirit world, but the spirit within and shine bright and be your unique self. Definitely. Shelley, thank you very much for sharing this time with us today and taking the time away from your family to be with us. You're very welcome. It's been a real pleasure to be here and see you again, Trevor. You know, uh, we had a wonderful week and you've brought back all those memories and 
And it's been great. I think what you're doing is a wonderful thing. And I've just muted her. Yes, I tell you, I can tell you, folks, she was trouble at college. She was absolute trouble. Thank you very much for joining me, Shelley. That is absolutely brilliant. And that brings another episode of Spirited Talk to a close. A reminder that there are many ways you can support these podcasts into the future. Start right now by subscribing to this podcast on whatever platform you're listening to it on right now. You are also welcome to join our Facebook podcast community group where hundreds of listeners and the guests come together to be part of Spirited Talk. If you'd like to contribute financially from as little as £5 per month, you can become a partner and access exclusive content and know that you're helping to keep this valuable information source going into the future. You can find out more about this and much more on our website at spiritedtalkpodcast.com. A huge thank you to my partners and to my guests today. From me, Trevor, thank you again and goodbye.